Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Welcome to the show. What's up, Tamarindo Amiguis? We're back after a short week break. Yes, we had to take a little breather after Hispanic Heritage Month, which, by the way, as um, Jessica, um, Jessica Starr tweeted so perfectly, that Hispanic Heritage Month was canceled early, given given the debacle that was city council. By the time you're hearing this, I mean, there's been 25 think pieces about what happened in L.A. I'm not going to summarize it here, because if you unless you live under a rock, you don't know <laughs> that L.A. has been at the center of a disastrous racial conversation, but it also opened up a lot of thoughts, opinions, feelings about Latinidad, about about internalized racism, about, you know, white privilege, about anti, anti-indigeneity, about anti-blackness, and about anti-LGBTQ-ness. All the antis, basically, were part of this, this thing. But real quick, because we got to add to this, like everyone else has, what are your thoughts on what just happened? You know, I just have to say, I'm I feel it's horrible at the same time I feel grateful. I feel grateful that this is in our face because it's real, it's and it's it, it's felt by our city council members who are supposed to represent our all of our communities and it's I'm grateful that it happened because it's just reminding us how much work we need to do and how important it is that we be thoughtful about the community leaders we choose to represent us and we're not just choosing Latinos because they're Latinos or whatever, it, whatever it is. So that's, I'll, I'll just stop, stop with that. But if you want to add something, Brenda, how are you feeling? I mean, yes, like I kind of mentioned at this point, there's been 25 different think pieces. Yes, we don't need course. another don't, think piece. <laughs> right, right, right. We, another think piece, <laughs> but um, by the time you all are hearing this, you know, we, we aren't, we aren't uh, breaking news, right? We don't have the capacity to be breaking news. So hopefully by the time you're hearing this, there's different outcomes than what we have currently. But right now, we still have Kevin de Leon, who just appeared on Spanish language media, saying, que no, no, no voy a renunciar, que no, que fallé, fallé. But that's, that's about it. You know, he sounds exactly, and I know this face, he sounds exactly like a man that's cheated. And he's now like coming back with his tail between his legs to ask, pedir perdón, but not to change, you know, not to change. So um, sadly, by the time you're listening to this, that might still be the case, that he's still in office and he still hasn't resigned. And also, you all have already heard the really disappointing letter from Nuri Martinez where she's like, let me, I hope I inspire little girls. Anyways, you all know it's trash. Many of you tweeted to us like, we know who's going in La Basura. And like, again, we're not breaking news, so we didn't have the capacity to put them in La Basura right away. But just so you know, they've been in La Basura <laughs> mentally and spiritually and emotionally in all the ways here at Tamarindo. And yes, and because we hadn't had a chance to talk about this, they were, de- both of them were going, all of them were going in, in La Basura. And I just want to say like, the way they've shown up not only obviously during, but after to me is the exact reason why they're not the type of community leaders we need. Because a community leader, if Kevin De Leon was a true community leader, he would have resigned. Like if, if he really cared about doing what's right for the community. And obviously he does not. He cares about what's doing right for himself. Y también igual with Nuri, like her, her statement, it was so... Penajena. Penajena! Yeah, yes. <laughs> cringe, cringe, cringe. Like how did you write that? Anyways. Like who? ¿Quién? ¿Quién fue? Maybe her team just like... like 
immediately quit so she came up with so we'll we'll link these in the show notes for anyone that has not read the statement or has not seen the the interview with kevin de leon y'all can read this and y'all can judge for yourself judge for yourself (laughs) um but you know somebody that is inspiring latinas is is our guest tell us a little bit about our guest and then maybe we could talk a chat chat a little bit about about why she's so special and about her book Yeah, so we're speaking to Carmen Rita Wong. She's a writer and author of the recent memoir, Why Didn't You Tell Me? She is a former CNBC television host and the founder of uh, and CEO of Malecon Productions, where she develops female-focused media and entertainment. So that's who we're speaking today. Um, I mean, we'll start off. How, how did you, I know you, you really love the, the book, Brenda. T- tell me a little bit about what stuck out from it for you. Yeah, fantastic read, Why Didn't You Tell Me? First of all, the name is so captivating, Because uh, I think so many of us have had the experience of confronting truths as adults about things that were maybe not, that were held back from us as we were kids. And that's really at the center of the story. But I was really captured by the the way that she writes. She's so, it's so, so emotional. You, you really get a, a clear picture of the every single detail what she's feeling what she's observing so first of all it's just well written it's a great read and what i took away you know i i felt like a lot of loneliness i felt like there was a lot of loneliness that she was navigating this world in many ways all alone um not fitting in so in so many instances you know operating in this world in a body where it is clear that she's afro latina but she's got this Wong last name and she's and she's perhaps has four half white sisters and it's like not really finding her place in this world especially having mostly grown up in a totally white community so there's there's so much that readers can identify about navigating issues of identity but I really took away that there was a lot of loneliness there and it's so much so much more inspiring what she had to come through to be this successful news anchor and author and everything. So it's so inspiring. What are your takeaways, Anishela? Well, one thing that stuck out to me, um, well, so many things did, and, and things that, that came up even in the city council debacle, right? Um, again, anti-indigeneity, anti-blackness, so many of these things about struggling with loving ourselves because we're literally told not to, right? Um, the other thing that was interesting to me is that her new, the, the book centers around a big family secret. And I feel like, especially a lot of us in our families, we we carry these family secrets because we're taught that we're supposed to not talk about things. And I think, and we talked a little bit about during the interview. So I wanted to ask you, Brenda, how has your relationship with family secrets evolved o- over time? And how do you feel about them today? I mean, I'd like to talk about them some more. If any of you are big followers of podcasts, you'll know, you know that I actually spe- specifically talked about family secrets in Talk to Mommy and Papi. So we'll also link that up specific episode in the show notes. So you all know precisely what I was talking about. But I think it's, I think, um, There's instances where, and she kind of addresses this in the book, where there's this um, intention of protecting, right? There's secrets often have the intention of, we didn't, we wanted to protect you, you, we, you, you know, we wanted to shield you. There might be good intentions, but I think when you become an adult and then these these things come to light, it's very difficult because there's also kind of like this betrayal. Like, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> like exactly as she screams it into the ether, right? 
and, and she doesn't even have the ability to get to the bottom of this. None of this is a spoiler because, first of all, the book is fantastic, but it's it's a, an extension of a fantastic story that she told on The Moth, so it's not a spoiler. Um, but But she didn't have the ability to get to the bottom of this by speaking to her family members that it was no longer an option she had to do some detective work so um it's interesting what are what are your feelings as you think about family secrets you'll you'll hear more in the in the interview but what i'll say now is that what i think about family secrets is that sometimes the actual secret the holding on to the, the action behind the secret is a lot more harmful than what was done in the first place yeah, so what I'm hearing is like maybe the secret itself might not might not have even been that bad. It's the it's the fact that someone felt they needed to hold back. Yeah. It's hurtful. Yeah. Got it. So basically there's a lot of secrets that I don't think should be secrets, but because of religion, patriarchy, all the all the usual suspects, we um, end up having secrets that harm our family and harm our relationships much more than than they need to. Absolutely. So. All right. So without further ado, let's hear this fabulous conversation with Carmen Rita Wong. There are so many unique experiences and ideas within the Latino community, but we don't always hear those perspectives when mainstream media is so polarized. That's why I'm excited about Pulso y Péndulo, a brand new weekly podcast for Spanish speakers who don't fit into the typical conservative versus liberal mold. The hosts come from different backgrounds, but they share a deep desire to fight polarization and disinformation. Carlos Grubello is a former congressman from Miami. He was elected as a Republican, but worked with his colleagues on both sides of the aisle to tackle climate change, gun control, and much more. And Fabiola Galindo is an Emmy-nominated journalist born in Peru and based in New York who has covered the Latino community for more than a decade. They bring different perspectives to controversial issues that are top of mind in the U.S. Plus, they keep a watchful eye on news in Latin America. Recent episodes have covered the aftermath of Hurricane Fiona in Puerto Rico and the debate surrounding President Biden's student debt forgiveness plan. Join the conversation. Check out Pulso y Péndulo today. New episodes drop every Thursday. Find Pulso y Péndulo on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. So today, we're so happy to be joined by Carmen Rita Wong, who does so many things, but most recently released her memoir, Why Didn't You Tell Me? Thank you so much for being on the show, Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Okay. So I want to open up. So your book speaks to experiences that many of our listeners can resonate with. Grappling with identity as children of immigrants, the concept of home, family secrets, internalized racism. What was writing this book like for you? Did it provide maybe some reconciliation or healing around some of these topics? You know, it definitely brought me places, <laughs> I'll say. It really, you know, I've been working on healing and reconciliation, all of these things for decades, right? Um, since I discovered the secret 20 years ago, actually, exactly 20 years ago. Um, I didn't find the answer though until recently, but that was when I found out the secret and I've been really working on that. And I think what the book did for me is it really made me appreciate um, things in a little different way. Um, and it made me look back on my life, assess where I've been, what I've done, and feel okay 
about myself and what I've done probably for the first time in a long time, because, you know, a lot of us were like, go, 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 achieve, 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 keep going, never stop. And writing the book actually forced me in some way, even though it was work and it was definitely a lot of work to stop, to assess, to think, to process. Um, So it's brought me and plus everything that's happened in the past couple of years has brought me to a really amazing, but not easy place of um, knowledge, self-knowledge and an awakening of sorts, not to get all woo-woo, but you know, (laughs) it's a little bit of an awakening and it's a good thing, but it's good because, you know, I'm older now, and this is another part of my life that I can, you know, make changes that I want to make. I love that. Can you speak to me a little bit about, about what that awakening looks like? So I, you know, look, I have a psych background, so I happen to know, you know, you know, the Jungian analysis of like, you know, the idea that you get to this middle age and you assess your life. And then, you know, all of a sudden you realize that you have been in some ways, and it's not for everybody, but programmed. So for those of us, especially when you have immigrant parents and they say, I've, you, I brought you to this country to do everything, you know, you can do what you want to do, but you need to be a doctor or a lawyer or an MBA, you know, that sort of thing. There's a lot of projecting onto to the children. This is what happened to me with my mother of their dream. And you feel you are only worthy if you achieve. Yes. You are only worthy if you are doing. You are not worthy if you're just being. So my big awakening is that it's okay to just be. And I'm still worthy of love from the universe or whatever yes. you want to say. It's a big it's a big awakening. And it's, and it's just let, to anybody who's listening, like if you, if this resonates with you, let me tell you, it'll, it's there. It'll come to you. It's never too late. Yes. Oh my God. I'm getting the chills because this is a lesson and, and I'm in my, I'm in my thirties. And I also just recently realized this, you are just worthy for being. And I didn't realize how programmed I was to think that I was only worthy of love or of anything. If I was achieving also just grew up overachieving my whole life because I started to attach the worthiness to accomplishments and accolades and getting little stars. It started with getting the little star stickers on my, on my, on my homework. Right. Like I was like, Oh my (laughs) God, I can trace it back to the little star sticker on my homework. And it's, and it, it, you know, (laughs) ever since. Gold stars, gold stars. Yes. Yes. No, you don't need gold stars. You can just, you can just live and breathe and you're good. Yes. I love it. Um, okay, so early on in the book, you move from your Dominican neighborhood in New York City with your mom and little brother to New Hampshire with your stepdad and, and no other family anywhere in the vicinity, right? So I remember reading that and in my head screaming, no, like, don't do it, because you, you could sort of imagine what's to come, the isolation that's that's expecting you, um, the racism that's expecting you. Um, and then later on in the book, as, as you get older, you speak about spending time with your Dominican grandmother before her passing. Uh, there is, of course, the grief of, of losing a, a loved one, a family member, but there's also so much more behind that, right? So what did your grandmother represent to you and, and, and how you saw yourself? Oh, my gosh. Um, we called her mama, even though she was abuela. Um, she was Anna as well. Mm. <laughs> I love that name so much. She um, She represented love to me. She represented love. And, and and just how I talked about, you know, being worthy by just being, she was the first mm. person to really, and of course, this is all kind of looking back and I see why, how important she was. She just looked at me and loved me. Like that, that you know, like that's just pure love. 
Um, you know, she cooked for me. Like she was all visiting her and staying with her, you know, when she used to take care of uh, me and my brother, when my mother was working or something, you know, it was all like scents and fragrances from like the perfume she wore, which of course was Oscar de la Renta, because that's who she was a seamstress for. But like that smell, the food, you know, just the vinyl on the furniture, like it was just a very sensory filled childhood. And she represented being loved and also the richness of our culture and where we come from. Then we go to New Hampshire. When you say grief and loss, that was like the most incredible grief and loss. I actually writing this book, I realized just how devastating it was. I don't think I wanted to go back there and think about it. it I lost everything. My family, the, you know, our cousins lived nearby, Tia's deal, like everybody was nearby. Your community. Poppy Wong too, and Chinatown and all his buddies and all those, those visits, those weekly visits that he would, he would do because they were divorced, but all of it was gone. New York city, which was devastating. But when she visited before she died, when she visited New Hampshire, the absolute gutting sorrow of realizing that I had lost our language. I had lost a connection because I was forced to go to a French Canadian school and my mother's new husband, who was Anglo-American, would not let us speak Spanish in the house and real erasure, absolute erasure. Um, it was devastating, but she still looked at me with that love and we shared that and it really transcended everything. So I'm so glad I had that time with her. Yeah, I I, I love that. It's like, even though you didn't have the language through words you had, you had love, the language of love. Oh, for sure. oh, for sure. She was like an angel. She's like a guardian angel. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, and I know this isn't true for everybody, but you're making me think about just abuelita's love and, and my abuelita and just yes. unconditional. And that's the word that I think for her too, unconditional yeah. love and, yes. and how we can still carry that, even though they're not with us physically. I carry my abuelita's love with me all the time. It is such a gift. And foundationally as children, it was such a gift because, you know, as you, you read in my book, um, life was not friendly to me after that at all. And she, that love, I really believe was the actual key that kept me going. Yes. That kept me from losing myself to the racism, the low expectations to my mother's unfortunate way of parenting, you know, all these things. It was her, that foundation she gave me. Mm, yeah. It's that, that little, like, that unconditional love, like you didn't know exactly where it was coming from, but it was, but it was with you, right? Yep. It was yeah. done. The deed was, she did it and yeah. it was there and it wasn't going anywhere and it has not. <laughs> yeah. I love that so much. Um, so you speak about erasure and, and I also know that you had another integral part of you, the, the Chinese part that was robbed of you. How has that shaped you and, and how you perceive uh, cultural appreciation and, and understanding? Well, I'll tell you this, what I've really distilled is that there are two things you can talk about when you lose um, a, a race and a culture or a race or a culture, because when people speak about, okay, so now you found out that, you know, and I'm not giving too much away because the book has many more surprises, but one, you know, one surprise that sets everything in motion is finding out that Poppy Wong was not my biological father. Now that was devastating. However, over the years, what I realized, because I continued to see him take care of him until he passed just a few months ago, is that there is race and there is culture. So biologically, am I Chinese? No. 
I will always, always be a Wong. I am a Wong. I'm a proud Wong. My nieces are Wongs. My brother was a Wong. Like you cannot erase those years that I had as his child. And I still always felt that I was his daughter. Um, And it even was, you know, he was also an incredibly difficult person. But in the end, when he passed is when I really realized, oh, wow, that was my father. Mm. That was my father. Mm. Yeah. That is so... Don't make me cry, no. Anna. Don't make me cry. <laughs> You're that girl. Girl, I cry in almost every episode. So this is a... This oh, is... my goodness. <laughs> so you're not cheating. You're not. So you're not cheating. You're not. I love that. That is so powerful yeah. and so beautiful. And I really love that distinction between race and culture, right? Yeah. There's two two completely different things. Um, I, I have two nieces that are... that are. I'm Mexican, but I have um, two nieces that are Vietnamese and, and Mexican. And I was just really actually reflecting on this this morning, thinking about although I'm not Vietnamese and I'm not Asian, Vietnamese culture is a part of me now. Yes. Yes. That is a part of my culture as an extension of me because they are my family. As an extension of your family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, my sister-in-law I've known since I was 16 years old and she is my big sister. She shows up for me. She's always been a part of my family and her mother Granny Stella and the whole extended family and they're Guyanese. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, we, we, we can blend into the Guyanese family and maybe not physically, but like we are soca music and oxtail stew, you know, all of that stuff. We know all of that roti, all that stuff. It's, it is you, when it becomes part of your family, it becomes part of you, whether you are biologically it or not. Yes. Yes. And it's not appropriation. Let's be clear. Mm, yeah, I love I love calling family. that out as well. Yeah, it's family. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, family secrets are central to your book and and obviously to to your life, right? So, I was reflecting on on family secrets and why they're so common in many of our life stories. And and I think the the thing that kept coming up to me is 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 shame and often coming from religion and patriarchy and all these systems. Um, and and your book to me poignantly tells us it's often not the action behind the secret itself, but the secret that causes the most harm. So I can only imagine how your family secrets have shaped your, your relationship with secrets. But I was wondering if you could share a little bit about what that looks like today, what your relationship with, with secrets is. Um, I'm actually a very private person, mm. very private person. People know me as, as that. Um, and I'm also one of those people that I... I'm like a safety deposit box of information. Someone could tell me something and never goes anywhere. You know, I'm that type of person, but, and I have boundaries, but secrets are things that you purposefully hide. There has to be purpose behind it. And I love that you mention shame and patriarchy also, because this is why, this is why, especially women, you know, in, in, in immigrant families. And I keep saying immigrant, which I actually hate saying that because listen, (laughs) the world is like big, right? But we all living here uh, right now in the US. So I'll use that word, but from all backgrounds, when there is a society that is built off of patriarchy, the women are going to keep secrets and information becomes control. So, and it gives them at least the small bit of power. So that's why my mother did that. Well, I don't have that issue. You know, it's like, I don't live in that. It's not that I don't live in Latin culture. It's that I refuse to accept that that's the way we got to live. And the other thing is, is that secrets can sometimes be people, human beings. The second I say, you know, 
to my mom, when I confronted her about this, I said, she said, oh, this was, this was for me to tell. This was my secret to tell. No, 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 no. I said to her, when you did the deed, when I was in your belly, then I was a secret. The second I was born, I became a human being. That's not a secret. So it didn't become about her. It became about me. I'm a living, breathing person. So secrets to me are, they only serve you if they need to serve you. Um, I believe in privacy and boundaries, but beyond that, no secrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking about this a, a lot in, in the context of, of my family and, and how key secrets were kept. And um, I remember my mom sharing with me um, a secret when I was older and, and, and something to me that I was like, why didn't you tell me that when I was younger? Like that doesn't, that doesn't, I actually felt hurt that, you know, it, yeah, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a big deal, but she felt that this secret was to protect us to protect me and protect us and 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 um yeah. yeah and I think as as I got older you know she was wanting me to be vulnerable with her and share things with her and then she was like yes. oh, I don't know why you don't why why you don't see me like a friend or you don't tell me all these things and I was uh -huh. like mommy I was like mommy because you literally have been hiding things from me I know that it was yeah. your intention was to protect me but you haven't created that culture because you've been trying to protect me and you want me to do the same thing, but you're not realizing that you made me feel like I didn't want to tell you when things were not so great with me because I was trying to protect you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is that secrets and lies create distance between you and the people you love. Yeah. Absolute distance. You can't have a close, heartfelt, vulnerable relationship that kind of goes both ways if there are secrets and lies. Yeah. Like with, with my daughter, we can have like really tough conversations. I'm not in her business. I don't go through her bedroom. I don't do all this stuff. I actually want her to have a private life. Yeah. But she is not afraid to come to me. Right. About anything that is causing her trouble. Anything. I love that. I love that. So it's, you are still honoring her boundaries and her privacy and, 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 and encourage that but there's, there's an environment where she doesn't feel like she needs to keep secrets from you. And she knows that you are, you are there from her for her when, when she needs you. Yes. Because I don't, I don't judge what has happened. It's not about getting in trouble right away. Right. It's right. about asking questions. Why, how, how do you feel that sort of thing? So yes. And the culture is that she's safe, you know, a home needs to be a safe place. I wanted to create a home that was the home that I wish I had when I was a kid. Yes, I love that. That key word is 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 safety, creating a a a, a culture of safety. Yeah. So so yeah. for me now with my mom, it's I'm I've I'm struggle I've struggled to be more vulnerable and open with her, but but I'm un I'm trying to undo that cycle, right? That uncycle of of secrets that aren't helpful. Um, so and she has to work with you. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be a two way street. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right, right. But right it's on. great you're doing it. We can end that. We mm -hmm. can improve it. Mm -hmm. Sure. So beautiful. Beautiful. Um, okay, so I'd love to get into uh, the part of our show where we, where we ask our guests our rapid fire questions. So first, yes. I'm going to ask you, what do you want to give a, a matraca to? So this is something that you want to give a shout out to that you're loving it could be person, place, thing, concept, whatever you want. Okay, listen, I'm going to be a little superficial, but very deep at the same time. Um, my daughter's immunocompromised. I'm a solo parent. If I go down, the ship goes down. So staying away from COVID is the number one thing in my, our lives. Right. So we are masked up all the time. And I'm like, look, I like fashion. We like to look good. 
why should your mask not be fashion? <laughs> so I found people have been commenting on my masks and it's, it's this website. I get no freebies, by the way, this is not an ad placement It's shop mask. And then the letter C mask, C shop mask C. And it's, it's a little, they have great sales, a little bit more money, but I can have masks that match or complement my outfit. And that means a lot to me because then it doesn't become about fear. It becomes just a part of my life and a part of my outfit. And I love it. I love that. I love that. I love that reframing too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about, what do you want to put in the basura this week? What are you, what are you so done with? What are you putting in the trash? The whole Republican party, please. Always. Please. Just, just always is that's probably the answer everybody gives but so, like i was like that is if that happens just so much goodness will come, come in this world yes extremism propaganda the whole thing i just i just want it out yes basura 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 and then lastly what is giving you calma right now what's keeping you grounded right now i know that you've been doing you're always doing a lot but i'm i'm sure also in in promoting this book that's also just been been crazy for you so what is giving you calma what's keeping you grounded Galma, Galma, um, Wordle. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love Wordle and crosswords. I'm such a nerd. Um, you know, I, I have these wonderful dogs when I walk them, it's literally a breath of fresh air and I adore them. And they bring us, my daughter and I just a lot of love and peace, except when they make messes. We all know that. Um, but just talking with my daughter about we're big movie fans we talk about pop culture and movies and what she's seen and what I've seen. And we sometimes share and sometimes don't watching the same thing, but there's something about having a conversation with your kid about silly things, you know, about movies or this, that, the other thing and seeing their enthusiasm that just makes me so happy and happiness to me calms me for sure. I love sure. that. I love that. And, oh, oh, speaking of, you know, talking to, to your teenage daughter, any, any new slang that you've learned recently? <laughs> oh my god no <laughs> any new I words mean, that you can share with our listeners so we can, we can no like yeah. weird things have been coming back around like dope oh yeah I, I'm, I'm still saying I'm, that's something that I've been saying since like the 90s you know and yeah. now it's like all this stuff coming back but you know what's back which is really weird is you know the um bell the bell leg on the pants and the jeans yeah not bell bottoms, but you know, that kind of leg. Oh my gosh. And the super baggy yeah. pants and the tight top and the platform shoot. Let me tell you, this was Adelia's catalog in 1990. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's all back, babe. It's all back. You know what? I'm happy to to get a little away from the skinny jeans. Those were too tight. Those were too tight. Yeah. Then, no, they were. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. I'm a big, I'm, I'm a boyfriend wearer. I wear mid-rise boyfriend, you know, and then I do the cuff, which my daughter teases me because she calls it the bisexual cuff. Uh. <laughs> so that's code. The kids have code. If you cuff your jeans, you're no way. And I was like, okay. And okay. I was like, okay, well, um, that is correct. But I still don't like that you <laughs> see, but it's true. It's true. And I was like, well, okay, then I did All something right. right I'm a rocket. Thank you. Yeah, rocket. Yeah, it's cool. I'm a rocket. Whatevs. Okay, cool. So I learned something. Thank you. Thank you for that. The bisexual. There you cuff. go. <laughs> um, all right. So lastly, I just want to open it up for you to share any last words that you want with the listeners. Where can people follow you? Where can they support you? Anything you want to share? Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Please, please. Um, yes, please get the book. There's a, the hardcover copy has lots of family pictures in it. So you'll see all the people I'm talking about. Um, the audio version is me. 
So you get this voice doing voices, my mother's voice and Poppy Wong's voice. Um, and you can get me Instagram at Carmen Rita Wong and my website's CarmenRitaWong.com. And I'll just say this, every time one of us does well, the rest of us does well. And I've made it my mission to lift up Latinas and black women and Asian women. And let's just all do that for each other. That's yes. all. Yeah. I want to see many, many, many more books like mine. I want to see so many books like mine. That makes me so happy. I love it. That's so inspiring. Thank you so much, Carmen. This was so much fun. I really appreciate you today. Thank you so much for having me. We hope y'all enjoyed that brief but beautiful conversation with Carmen Rita Wong. So y'all, we highly recommend the book. And again, it's called Why Didn't You Tell Me? So moving on to our matracas, our basuras, and our calmas. Brenda, what are you giving a matraca to today? I'm giving a matraca. This is self-serving, but I don't care. <laughs> I'm giving my matraca to the Heartbeat House. It is a fabulous minority woman-owned gym in Atwater Village that I'm now teaching at every single Friday, 7 a.m. And if you use the code BRENDA50, all caps locks, BRENDA, and then the number five, and then the number zero, you can get 50% off to take my class. And it's every Friday at 7 a.m. Pacific time. It's both in person and it's also live stream. So wherever you are on earth, you can take my class. And if you sign up for the live stream, you get access to the on-demand recording for 48 hours. So there's no excuse. Just come to my class, y'all, and uh, we'll have those details on our website. So that's my big-ass matraca. What about your matraca, Ana Sheila? My matraca, uh, my matraca is going to intentionality. And I say that because I feel like right now I'm at a period where I'm enjoying the fruits of my labor. Yeah. <laughs> so, and what I mean by that is like, I put in a lot of work this year, a lot of in in internal work, a lot of different kinds of work. And I feel like I'm right now acknowledging and seeing what's blooming inside of me beautiful um, in my connections and in, in my environment se and, ve, se siente. Ay, ay, <laughs> and you know closing out things having a lot of fun saying yes to adventures and experiences and um another big intention of mine was connection like i just really wanted to feel more connected to myself and 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 others as well i had been feeling a little more disconnected and it and i really feel that and it's it's just beautiful to just have have been intentional with that and, and enjoy the fruits of, of my hard work. Yeah, I mean, speaking of <laughs> connections, it's been so wonderful to have you physically in town for Hispanic Heritage Month. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I'm a big matraca to that yeah. and just being able to do things together. We're in a room together. We're in a room that's very echoey, as you could tell. But um, but still, we're, it's great to be in a room and not seeing you through a Zoom screen. So yeah. awesome for you being in town and and making the best of it and connecting with so many people. Hopefully you come back. <laughs> yes. And and you, and yeah, I'm coming back, y'all. Well, uh, you know what? I want to give you a matraca and maybe I already gave a matraca to you I'll for this. I'll take them all. I'll, I'll give it to you. All. You know, when you when you get older, y'all, you start forgetting <laughs> what you've already said. So. Especially on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So but I want to give you a matraca for really leading the charge with our um, with our live, our Tamarindo Live. It was so fun. It was so, so fun. So beautiful to be with people. And we met some listeners and friends and had commu actual, real, the kinds of community leaders that we want to see. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> amazing. Yes, yes, yes. So, so Matraca to you for that, because it's one of the highlights of, of my year, I think, actually getting, getting to awesome. do that with you. I, don't, I know you don't check Facebook, but I tagged you and I said, thank you for being my, what did I say? My partner. 
I think is what I oh, said. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> that's so corny. I love it. It's super corny. Pero you're reminding me to check my Facebook. And I'm also, PSA for everybody, check your Facebook because you probably have like 10 private messages from your mom my mom sends me my mom my mom sends me all the cute (laughs) things and they're very precious so go and check your your private messages in your facebook because yeah you'll have some from your mom probably Uh, love it okay so what is your basura my basura we already gave it to them kevin de leon nudi all all our city council members that don't really represent the community yes absolutely (laughs) all of them also this is really silly but i have another one Jeff and I bought some expensive ass knives, like expensive ass knives. We went to like one of those really fancy places where you get expensive knives. And let me tell you that that thing sucks. Like I have to sharpen it every single time before I use it. So basura to that cheap ass, expensive ass knife. Okay, Ana Sheila, how are you getting your calma? My calma, my calma is actually just a reflection again on our Tamarindo Live because I had so much fun with it and it also shows the growth, the growth in, in, in me and my being comfortable speaking in public, things like that. And so what I've learned, and we've talked about how to use your voice and be more comfortable using your voice in, in other episodes, but I think if I boil it down to three things that have really helped me be more comfortable and take up more space, it's trying to have as much fun as possible in whatever, whatever presentation you're doing, whatever you're doing, some things are not as fun, but how can you have the most fun possible given what you're doing, number one, speak from the heart, and remember that it's not about you. What is this actually about? It's about the community that you're serving. Take yourself out of it, and I promise you, you'll do better than, than you thought. Love that. Wonderful calma tips. Beautiful. Absolutely amazing. My calma comes from Mexico always. When I go to Mexico, I'm already planning my next trip to Mexico. <laughs> I just had a fantastic time traveling with friends, and these are people that are world travelers, amazing World travelers, they've gone everywhere. And the fact that they were blown away by Ensenada, they were blown away by the cuisine. I'm just like, I told you, I told you. So I just love going to Mexico. It's always fantastic. It's always a treat. And I just came back from it. And I always feel super recharged and energized and ready to go again. So. Oh, I love I love that so much. I need to get down there more. I've only been there one time and I and I had a very brief time there, but it was it was really fun. Speaking of Mexico, I'm actually leaving tomorrow we're recording we're recording what day is today on thursday, thursday the 20th so i'm leaving. flying out tomorrow friday <laughs> i'm flying the out tomorrow i'm 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 it's bittersweet this has been such a beautiful time for me to just being here i'm excited to go back but i've fully committed to, to coming back to la now permanently and okay and, and, so before you do that i have to make sure that i visit you a lot because <laughs> yes yeah so i'm coming back end of end of january so i'm giving myself three months to really close out my time there um, be intentional, become a better dancer, spend time with my family, do more community work, and and that's it. And, Beautiful. And back, Hopefully so. you go to Puebla at some time. Make yes, that, I'm, I'm going to go. List. It's going to be on the list. list. <laughs> but I have, a two, I have a two bedroom. So Brenda, it's at the that bedroom. If you, Yay, come, if you come through, has your, has your name on it. And if y'all are my friends, hit me up. Maybe y'all can stay there too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you everybody for listening. It was so good to be back in your ears after that short break. We've got a couple more episodes and then the season is over. So hit us up if you want to get in touch. We love to hear from you. And uh, until the next time, pon tu suéter. Bye, y'all. Abrazos, besos. Ciao. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino. Our producers are Mitzi Hernandez and Augusto Martinez of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards. If you want to support our work, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com.
cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI, FPEI, 220099.